welcome back to the Thunder Six Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider, and today we are continuing the rotation series over here on the pod. I have discussed the point guard, shooting guard, and small forward positions in the last three podcasts, and now we are moving into the real front court, if you will, at the power forward and center spot. So today, I'm going to be discussing the OKC Thunder's power forward rotation and how I believe they will assort itself going into day one of the schedule. And to round it all out, guys, I have a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, so you do not want to miss out on that. Kicking things out, though, with the power forward discussion. I've done three pods, as I've said, uh, with those uh, point guard, shooting guard, and small forward positions, and... Now we're getting to the back end of this roster when you're talking, you know, final two and power forward and center. I said this in my last podcast. I'll reiterate it again. I think with this Thunder team, you kind of see change in inverse order. Center spot has the most change. Power forward, second most change. Small forward, third most change. It just works that way down because of how the Thunder drafted this summer. Chet Holmgren and Jalen Williams out of Arkansas just create this gigantic ripple effect where players that used to play center, they're now having to field power forward minutes. And the people that were currently playing power forward might have to slide to small forward instance. They might actually play small ball five, depending on how this team shakes out. But it's made competition a lot tighter for some of these prospects. Power forward position, I've mocked up three different players. That would be Jeremiah Robinson-Earl, Darius Baisley, and Alexei Pokushevsky. There are some other guys that I think you could slide up and down the line, but these are the three that I want to highlight in this position and how I believe they will shake up in that day one rotation. As discussed, this is only about the day one rotation. If I were to tell you a season prediction, it'd be nothing close to this. Everybody's going to get a fair share of run this season, and I'm sure by November, by December, there's going to be shakeups to where some players aren't playing near as many minutes as they will day one, and others will be ascending up the depth chart. Just because there's so many young guns on this roster, and the Thunder are trying to really create an identity right now. So being able to keep a fluid rotation is definitely going to be part of the cards. I want to start things out, though, with who I believe is going to be the starter day one. I have seen different uh, different opinions on this one. I'm going to be in a camp that I think is probably in the minority right now, and that is the belief that Darius Baisley is going to be the day one starter at the power forward position. This is over Jeremiah Robinson Earl. This is over Alexei Bogoshevsky, and that puts him in a position where he is going to be the starter day one for the third consecutive season. If we take a look at Darius Baisley and his overall trajectory, he had a very good rookie campaign. He didn't necessarily play all that many minutes. However, when he did step on the floor, he was pretty good in terms of shooting off the catch. I think that's the primary thing he needed to hone in on. And then on top of that, he was still looking good penetrating to the baskets um, and even a couple passes. I'd say for the most part, the straight line drives where he'd get it at the wing and slash the basket. That was very prevalent in the bubble. Same goes as just shooting at the top of the key. So he looked like he was going to be a perimeter type of guy but also someone who could impact the defensive side of the floor as well. Gets the starting gig two seasons ago, and it really wasn't contested. I think that Baisley was very much one of the focal points post-CP3 trade, post-Adams trade. When you're just left with all the younger sediments, he was atop the list on players that you you want to 
see develop. And as a starter, he did improve in terms of his statistics. However, the efficiency definitely slumped for him. You know, this was a player expected to be shooting mid-30s from downtown, high-energy guy who could potentially be a secondary or tertiary ball handler. Um, I think the first stages of my podcast probably came a couple weeks before the tip-off of that season, and we were doing predictions on what Darius Baisley would average. I think the benchmark I said for over and under was like, I said it like 16 points and 8 rebounds. I thought there would be a genuine surge from Darius Baisley just based on all the minutes being gouged out and all the opportunities for him. He got the minutes, started in all 55 of his games, 31.2 minutes per game. Average 13.7 points and 7.2 rebounds. That's not bad. However, he shot below 40% from the field and went 29% from three. So he was very shaky. There were moments where, you know, he was very impressive on the court. You know, he'd have streaks of dropping maybe 18 points, 10 rebounds one game. Next game, 18 points, 9 rebounds. But then he'd slump back down to four games of just subpar play. And I think that was kind of given the pass that year because there was just nobody to replace him, if you will. Last year, that that was a little bit different because now the rotation has players such as Jeremiah Robinson Earl. He's now starting. Isaiah Roby was looking good last year or two years ago. Now he's kind of on the fringe of the roster. Uh, But even guys like Aaron Wiggins were impressing at the G League level, and so was Roby. So there was some pressure placed onto Bays to perform well. He didn't start the year out too well last season, and that resulted in him being moved back down to the bench. He played 16 games off the bench last year, and I think the streak was nearing 100 consecutive games of him being the starting power forward. So that broke after that cold spell, and that kind of opened the Pandora's box, if you will, to Mark Dagnalt's rotations, you know, the Thunder's willingness to Uh, kind of experiment atop the rotation, and it led to Aaron Wiggins playing really, really well under those minutes. Now, Baze was a microwave coming off the bench, had multiple games where he was one of the better, more efficient players, and that led to him returning to the starting unit, but the story still remained where you saw glimpses of him being solid um, offensively. Defensively, he's looked good, but Offensively, he's still been pretty raw from three, which I think is the factor you need to highlight the most. And when you talk about the OKC Thunder's uh, kind of plan, you know, they need to surround shooters next to SGA and Josh Giddey. If they are not able to turn one of them, if they aren't able to turn to a really good catch and shoot piece, ideally both, you need to seriously consider just forming a roster full of sharpshooters. Chet Holmgren is a big addition. He solves probably the hardest position to solve in terms of floor spacing at the five, but even at the power forward spot, you know, it's not like Baisley is this stellar three-point shooter. Even other guys behind him aren't necessarily marquee from that range. He needs to, though. He needs to improve with Chip England in. That's kind of the hope that he's able to develop a little more, but he's entering his fourth season in his in the league. Next year, you know, this is when he hits restricted free agency if the Thunder elect to pick up his qualifying offer and if he does not show and prove his worth of an extension he might be on his way out and that's just how it works here that is the ultimate reason why I have him above everybody else in the depth charts 20 minutes per game that is bench 
material, right? Like, I think Jalen Williams I had for 20 minutes. Kenny Hustle, 18 minutes. So it's a bench type of minute production, but the other side of that coin is because he's the starting power forward, it actually unlocks a lot more doors than you think in the rotation. And that's going to be solved whenever I talk about Jeremiah Robinson Earl. I think that's the, you know, the clear uh, battle between the starting gig and I think solely off the fact that Robinson Earl plays the four and the five, he has the edge rotationally and the creative flow can happen a bit easier if he's the one coming off the bench sort of as that sixth or seventh man. With Darius Baisley, if you put him in that bench unit, he's a little bit more restricted. I think you play him at the power forward spot. I'm sure there were globs where he did play the five, but it's just not his natural position. He was naturally a small forward, actually, and then he got moved up to play power forward. So I think that's where he caps. He has a little bit more um, you know, walls, if you will, to his game and his overall profile. This is going to be uh, a situation that I think will be a, a big thing to monitor. It's going to be Darius Baisley and how he's able to bounce back in his fourth year. He needs to make a statement. He needed to last season. Now, with the contract, I mean, it is pedal to the metal time. It's make or break for him and how you know he's going to remain on this roster long term. And a lot of it's contingent on the people playing behind him. But if he starts out starting and he's in a slump, well, what about someone like Aaron Wiggins, who might not have the golden ticket to minutes right away? If Bayes struggles, give some of the minutes to Wiggins. And he honestly could overtake him in terms of some minute production, and you could kind of sift through how you could uh, shape, kind of shape that rotation and lineup to, uh, to accommodate those plans. Kenny Hustle could move to the power forward, for example. But this is really going to be a major couple of months for Darius Baisley. I think because of that, he's going to start at the top. So it's his uh, position to, I don't want to say lose, but uh, he's going to need to earn the right to continue being in the starting lineup, if you will. Right behind him, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, 24 minutes. So he's playing more than Darius Baisley. If you're going to kind of chalk up a starter, uh, in terms of this category, it would be Jeremiah Robinson Earl, but I still see him as that sixth or seventh man, not off of talent, but off of flexibility. It's a big strength, and honestly, I think coming off the bench is something that you should wear proudly, right? Like, it's a big task to do so, and he would have a much more extensive role probably coming off the bench, but I'm sure he blends in with this starting lineup instance as well, which is why I think this is more of a, uh, a better fit here. Robinson Earl is kind of one of those jack-of-all-trades guys where he's really good at a lot of things. I wouldn't consider him a master, so that's kind of where I'd place him. But that is still extremely valuable to a Thunder team that has a lot of excellent areas, but a lot of pretty low-level areas. Like He can come in, and he's the best power forward from beyond the arc. Last season, he was hovering around the mid-30s from distance. I imagine that continues going on into year two for him. Uh, but also, another kind of underrated part of his game, his passing ability. Very advanced as a passer. If you put him out at an elbow, he's going to understand when someone's cutting. He's also going to understand spacing from the three-point line as well. Solid screen setter. 
and should be a, a better pick and pop threat than I think Darius Baisley would be. So he checks more boxes in terms of what this team needs. His overall ceiling pushes him into the starting lineup, of course, and right off the bat, he's given the opportunity to play more minutes and really establish himself in this set role. He was a center last season. I still think he's going to play center minutes next year, but primarily, I think the power forward spot. Chet Holmgren is going to cover so much room at the five, and the veterans behind him also are going to field minutes to where this is the most logical placement for JRE. He played power forward at Villanova. He wasn't a center in college. 6'9", 230 pounds, just like Isaiah Roby, where, you know, he is a a guy that would need to play up a couple sizes to play center, but he did the job well. And for the power forward position, he's right on par with the common level. So I think the experience of playing multiple positions ultimately helps him. And his overall profile where he can shoot uh, from three if he's left open is a big, big plus to this team. If we look at rotations and how this would work out, there'd be times where he'd probably be these starting five, or just playing the five uh, with Holmgren out of the game, but also put Holmgren and JRE right next to each other. This is when you want to run five outsets. Maybe you put in Jalen Williams in this type of rotation as well. Let SGA and Lou Dort kind of round out that group. That seems like a pretty strong group to me, uh, and it really highlights what this team needs the most, which is catch-and-shoot ability. Lou Dort, he's been up and down in that area, but... Uh, you might be able to you know, get some really good production out of that. And even defensively, I think that is a pretty steady lineup that I would love to see enacted on the floor. That's just the overall outlook, though, for Jeremiah Robinson Earl. He has been a really impressive rookie uh, for the Thunder. You know, when he was selected at pick 32 last season, this was, I don't think it was a shock, um, but the value the Thunder gave up, it kind of set the bar high. They traded the 34th pick and the 36th sixth pick to move up two selections in the draft because I believe the Orlando Magic, who were at 33, wanted him. So that's a lot of value to give for two placements above, but most definitely they got a grand slam here because JRE not only was a starter last year, but I think he's going to have a pretty big role this season as well. The biggest blemish... In this Thunder rotation and just overall roster probably now rests at that four spot because they do not have a perfect like three-point shooter or dynamic playmaker, if you will. But Jeremiah Robinson Earl is probably the one who cinches up the gashes the best out of the three set guys I'm talking about today. And I want to talk about the final guy and Alexei Pokushevsky in one second here. But first, I want to let you guys know about a very special offer going on with my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. 
plus with same game parlays, spreads, money lines, over unders and props, your betting options feel endless. No NBA action currently going on. Got to look for MMA, MLB baseball. We're going to see more action from there. So maybe that's where you guys can look. I continue to harp on it. I'm a big UFC fan myself. So look for those main cards and uh, maybe throw down some, some money there. If you guys are interested though, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. If you guys are interested, go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, make your first deposit, and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Let's move on to Alexei Pokrushevsky. I talked about Bays with his 20 minutes with this starting gig, Jeremiah Robinson Earl with his 24 minutes, and a backup gig. And that's 44 minutes at the four spot. But you got to remember, positions such as the point guard spot, between SGA and Trey Mann, that's more than 48 minutes per game. So you have to make some cuts somewhere, and that comes at the power forward position. This is a decision that... Um, I thought about for a, a good amount of time here, but I think Alexei Pokushevsky likely is the odd man out to begin the season, at least at the fourth spot. The reason I say that is because it's likely between Darius Baisley and Alexei Pokushevsky. They have similar stories, almost identical stories. Alexei Pokushevsky enters the league as a raw prospect, non-traditional routes, just like Bays. Really good moments, but also really low points in these past two seasons for Poku. He's shown that he is a special talent. Seven feet tall. When he's feeling it from distance, it's very hard to close out on him based on his size and overall shooting ability. As a ball handler, he's fairly loose with his handle, but he can make some really good passes and really wow you in the process of his game. So, you know, he's still very alluring. He's still 20 years old. So there is room in the growth plates for him to develop into an NBA player. Darius Baisley, now he's three years down the pipe. He has shown glimpses of being a pretty good NBA player. I think he has the floor of, you know, being a solid defender, but offensively, he just hasn't gotten to that point yet. I think the reason I'm siding with Bays is just based on the contract status. I'm trying to get into the heads of, you know, what the Thunder are thinking. I think they'd rather start things out, um, maybe not with wild cards, but with what they've been used to, uh, to really get a full evaluation of this roster. And what they've been used to is Darius Baisley starting at the power forward spot, playing alongside SGA, setting the screens, playing at the wing, put him in the identical environment to what he had last year and see if any of the results change. If they do not, that's when you start to shuffle in guys like Alexei Pokashevsky and Aaron Wiggins into the roster. I'm still fairly high on Alexei Pokashevsky. When you look at his end of um, season stats or you know when he was about to close the year, just as it was last season or two seasons ago, excuse me, you saw a significant jump in terms of not just points and overall statistics, but in terms of production after the All-Star break. And, you know, when I'm searching this up now to get the exact numbers, but when Poku in his rookie season returned from the All-Star break, this was after 
the winter sh- um or the G League season. They only had 15 games that year, and he was up and down. It was really rocky for him, but he had good moments. Re-enters the rotation and is making an impact yet again. Last season, it was a very similar story. He had to play with the OKC Blue earlier uh, last year because he just wasn't productive at the NBA level. After the All-Star break, he played 19 games for the Thunder and he averaged 12.4 points, 7.2 rebounds, and 4.3 assists. You look at some of the other categories for him, he shot 31% from distance, 76.5% from the free throw line, and then he also averaged a total of 2.4 turnovers per game. Excuse me. So he ended with a assist-to-turnover ratio of close to 2. Um, I'll get the exacts here. It's a 1.8, give or take, assist-to-turnover ratio. That's actually really good for Poku. So he closed the season out strong. Were there games where he was just not feeling it from the floor? Absolutely. He had a game against the Magic where he shot 3 of 20, went 3 of 10 in the next game against the Orlando Magic, but wedged in between there, went 7 of 13 against the Boston Celtics, 19 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists. He was just killing it. There's a lot of highs and a lot of lows with Alexei Pokashevsky. And I think that recipe actually puts himself in a really good spot to have rotational minutes. I'd say from the get-go um, in you know games that might not be extremely close and even in the months like November and December, he could have some very valuable minutes. If minutes are not there, the idea of bringing him to the blue for the third consecutive season is always open. I'm not necessarily sure if the coaching staff would like to do that, though. I think at this stage in his career, it'd probably be best to keep him at the NBA level and just see how he's able to perform. Because what has been showcased to this point is not part of the course with NBA assignments. Typically, when you put an NBA player down with a G League affiliate, they're going to drop 30 points per game. They're not missing from three-point land, and they look like an all-star. Perfect example, Nick Stauskas went down last year, didn't have an NBA contract, 100 points within two games in a two-game span and got to deal with the Boston Celtics. Other players are like that, where they just go down and they prove that they deserve to be down there. Svima Hailuk, too. Um, he's a guy where, you know, they the Raptors dipped him in the, the G League system for a bit and he was killing it. Hasn't been a very productive player with the Raptors thus far, but that just lets you know. Like, they can come in and make an impact. With Pokashevsky... He's such a wild card, and he's so unique with his play that it doesn't matter what level he's at. You know, he can give you 20 points at an, in an NBA game without missing, and then the very next game, he scores two points against the South Bay Lakers in the G League. And that's not attributed to just luck or anything. That's just attributed to how he is as a player, and it's not really a surprise to this point. I think the overall progression for Poku has been shown. He just needs to get used to things, and then he's rocking and rolling. The Thunder need players such as Alexei Pokashevsky. Very solid passing reel. You know, he's making wacky plays. He can kickstart stuff in, um, you know, off a rebound, kind of pivot right into transition. And he's a perimeter-centric forward. We'll have to see how teams cover him. I'd imagine he sagged off a bit to begin the season. But if he starts hitting threes, that is where I think he just moves above Darius Baisley. I think in this uh, competition, 
you know, it's going to be really cutthroat because I don't know how both of them can consistently get minutes without injuries. It's just very hard to work out the numbers, and you're still leaving out a guy like Aaron Wiggins when I'm talking about that. That three, though, is really what is going to be the game changer for Poku in year number three. I think he did make a stride from year one to year two. The numbers would tell you, you know, maybe he was kind of plateauing a little bit and it was much the same where it was just trends of being hot and cold over and over again. You know, rookie season, shot 34% from the field, 28% from three. This past year, though, shot 40.8% from the field, 29 or 28.9% from the three. So he actually did make a pretty big jump on twos, um, but it's still very much the same of he needs to perfect his consistency. I think that's the main reason as to why he did not get clearance to play for Team Serbia. Keep him in-house, keep him working with Chip England. I think if there is one player that will grow the most outside of your run-of-the-mill star type guys, which are SGA, Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, just the front and center players of this roster, Alexei Pokashevsky's in that conversation with Uzman Jang because if they unlock that three, their length and their archetype is just blown up tenfold, and it's going to make covering them so much more difficult. He's still very, very young here. He turns 21 basically at the end of this calendar year. So you got room to grow. I think... Um, the comparison between him and Chet, it's probably like less than half a year, you know? So that kind of puts things into perspective on how young he is. He didn't come from a high-tier league overseas. He wasn't this major, major prospect. He kind of came out of nowhere, second-tier league um, overseas. And it was, once again, just highlight reels where you're going crazy, but it's not like game to game. He was showing you everything. He was a bench type of guy when he was playing um, overseas. So that is a discussion I think I can make my own pod on. The power forward situation is just so um, folded with tons of different storylines and ripples. If this happens and this happens, it's about who establishes dominance. I think Jeremiah Robinson Earl has claimed one of the two seats for sure. Poku and Bays are going to have to duke it out. I only have Bays up front right now because of his contract situation. That could easily change into Poku's minutes, and then you get to see a lot more basketball from him. That is going to do it for today's episode on the Power Forward Spot, though, guys. If you have any comments on this, you guys want to give me a take on Poku, Bays, JRE, or anybody on this roster, make sure to let me know. You guys can hit me up on my Twitter, at Ben Kreider, or go to the pod's Twitter, at ThunderstickPod. That's going to do it for today's episode, though, guys. Really appreciate you guys listening, and I'll talk to you all next time. See ya.